Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the Monocle, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Uh, tonight, we're going to kind of stick to a little bit more redraft or setting your lineups, but we're we're almost to that time uh, with the first round of the playoffs over. It's almost time to transition to the offseason, but you know, first we have some championships to win. Everyone knows the obvious starts of the week and everything, but we're going to try and dig a little bit deeper and uh, try to help some people out that are in the playoffs still, uh, but maybe dealing with some injuries, COVID, and all that kind of good stuff. We've obviously had some surprises. I'm joined once again by Nubs. What's up, bud? Not too much. How are you this week? Good. It's busy. Uh, obviously, playoffs, a lot going on uh, with that. I will say, you know, like this is my first full season going through everything. We have the website. We have the podcast. We have the Debbie podcast. We have like all that stuff. And I will say I, I, I'm starting to understand the whole like guys getting burnt out towards the end of the year because it, it, it's definitely a different feeling to when you're just playing the game and, and doing all that. But um I love it. I, I enjoy it. I, I am kind of happy, though, like that we're getting to the A, we I mean, I guess there's two weeks left, so it's, it's still 2020. Anything could happen. But like we're getting there. We're almost done with a full season of football and everything. Uh, so if we can make make it through the next couple weeks, win a couple championships and, and do all that, that'd be great. Hammercast is saying what's up. What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, appreciate you watching. We're going to try and get some uh, deep dives. We have some obvious, not so obvious, and desperate uh, desperation, if I can speak tonight. Desperation starts. And, um, like, there's a couple obvious ones that I just want to get out of the way really quickly. Uh, like, McKissick, if Gibson's out, which it kind of seems likely that he will be out. Uh, they signed Lamar Miller today. Uh, that's not a great sign for, for Antonio Gibson coming back. But Miller can't play as far as I know because he still has to pass the COVID protocols. So uh, as far as I know, McKissick is going to be the guy if Gibson's out. Jeff Wilson, if Mostert's out, he had an MRI on his ankle. Uh, he missed today in practice, so it doesn't seem like he's going to play either. Obviously, those are two guys you really want to play. And get DJ Moore back in your lineups. He is healthy. He is off of COVID. Um, and, I mean... I don't know about his ankle, but I haven't heard anything. And as far as I know, he's healthy. Uh, but yeah, get him back in your lineups. Wish I would have had him last week. I may have won a couple extra matchups if I had him. <laughs> but let's get into the not so obvious starts. Uh, you know, most of these guys are, you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond as far as like weekly rankings and, and that kind of thing. Some of them are pretty ugly. And, you know, you might not want to start them, but. You know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and, uh, so that's what we're going to do. Why don't you start off with, with your first one, Timmy? Okay. Um, the one I, I, so the way I had compiled my list was I wanted to make a list of players that were most likely available, um, either in most likely redrafts or somewhat uh, attainable in Dynasty if you didn't have them. And the first guy I had actually was Christian Kirk. Now, depending on how much you're, the, the owner of Christian Kirk and Dynasty likes him, he could be someone that you can go acquire. Um, he goes up against Philadelphia and San Francisco, who are both averaging 37 points per game allowed to wide receivers on the season, which is 21st and 22nd based on the decimals. So they are definitely lower third uh, in uh, points allowed. And just based on 
Arizona's push for the playoffs and things of that nature, I feel like this is going to be the time in which you're going to see a, a, a good, healthy amount for Kirk, uh, how the defense is probably going to be rotating or shifting to, to Nuck, as well as um, Arizona plays San Francisco at home, and they always seem to have these really big shootout games uh, in Arizona. And I just think that, that that trend continues, especially when it comes to two teams that are fighting for playoff position, that we could see some fireworks in Week 16. Now, for Week 15, playing Philly, we don't really know what we're going to get from Hertz as Arizona's probably going to play him a little bit different than what um, New Orleans did. New Orleans really brought pressure up the middle, and that just seemed to be um, kind of comfortable, an area of, of comfortability for, for Hertz based on the fact he can just roll out and run or roll out and try to find someone. And um, I just kind of – I just see Arizona's – where they're soft is underneath. So – if they are able to kind of defend the outside and then play up where their zones are a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, we could probably see less in terms of success for, for Hertz most likely, but that doesn't mean that they don't find success at some point underneath on, on that soft part underneath and they score some points and then keep Arizona having to keep their foot on the pedal. But at this point, I don't know exactly what we're expecting from Hertz, but I expect more from Kirk than what we've seen the last couple games he's prior was getting uh, an average around six targets and he kind of dropped that the last couple weeks but he played against the rams who are the the most difficult team to score on as wide receivers and then there was a pretty handled game against the giants where they weren't having to do too much after they they got to the lead and played against mccoy so I, he's my first one that i feel pretty confident on and i i someone i definitely would want to put in my lineup yeah, I mean, I was going to say, if you look at the the numbers from the last few weeks, you know, it's not somebody that you'd be overly excited about, but you also have to understand they had a pretty tough schedule the last couple of weeks and you had um, Kyler with the injury. And I think, you know, each week he's, he should be getting healthier and uh, hopefully, you know, able to throw a little bit better, hopefully take off a little bit more. We saw him run a little bit more last week, but, you know, the Giants defense has actually been pretty legit. So you know, based off the numbers, you might not be overly confident about it, but I mean, the truth is the Cardinals have to win, you know, <laughs> like they, I mean, I guess so do the Eagles. So it might, it, it might be a shootout, you know, or it might be maybe not a shootout with Hertz there, but you know, like they, they might try to score a lot of points. And so that it, uh, I definitely don't hate that one. You know, you, you're probably not going to love any of these, these calls because they're not obvious. <laughs> they're not the obvious calls or there's no point in, in doing that, but the first one that I had uh, going to the running back position, which, by the way, man, if you don't have running backs right now, <laughs> it's pretty ugly. <laughs> and so, like, I, I have some really ugly running back calls, but I'm just trying to help people out. But the first one I have is uh, Gus Edwards. And, you know, like, I know it's a little bit scary, but, you know, when you look at the numbers, he's only getting about seven touches a week the past few weeks. But, he's actually been doing quite a bit when he gets the ball and you can see, I mean, he's running hard and that's obviously always been his style, but it's working really well with what, you know, the, the Ravens are doing, but more importantly, they're playing Jacksonville on top of that. Marquise Brown is, is on the COVID list. So now they're not going to be able to throw as much and they don't, they don't even throw anyway, but now they're going to throw even less uh, or at least they're going to probably have to rely on the running game even more than they probably would have. Now I'm all about JK Dobbins, but We've seen Gus get goal line touches. We've seen Gus get, you know, third and short runs. We, but we've also seen him break off, you know, big chunk plays and big runs. So 
you know, if you you definitely could do worse than playing Gus Edwards this week, even though it, you know, might once again, it might not be the obvious thing or anything you like truly want to do. And with uh with in the same vein, if Ingram's not getting touches, a two back, you know, running back by committee backfield is really not a terrible one to get involved in. And we know that Baltimore needs to win this game. So I don't think Baltimore is really going to be doing too much to let up and they're going to try to score a lot of touchdowns and then they'll play ball control. And we know that Edwards is someone that they feel very secure with running um, into the fourth quarter, grinding out yards, not saying they can't, they can't do the same thing with Dobbins, but we've seen it more often with Edwards. Yeah. I mean, I just think Edwards is going to get touches. It might not be a lot, but like I said, he's, he's doing quite a bit with the touches he's getting and you know, it might, even if he only gets you seven points, that might be enough to, to make the difference in your, in your league. And I don't even know how many running backs we could actually say could get you seven points this week. Like it's that ugly. <laughs> uh, the next one I'm going to stick with the wide receivers is actually Kendrick Bourne. Now we know Ayuk is special and we know that as we were just kind of talking earlier with Arizona being soft underneath, that could be where Ayuk really operates in week 16. But Bourne plays Dallas and then Arizona, and they are allowing 33 points, Dallas's, and Arizona's at 28 points allowed per game to, to receivers. Now, I'd, Dallas played a really beat up and just weak Cincinnati team last week, so I don't think we should take too much away visually from what we saw in their performance to say, hey, they're going to they're gonna shut people down now. And I think Bourne is a candidate for – uh, getting a red zone touchdown and then uh, amassing catches and yards throughout the game because he's not going to be the number one target. That's going to be Ayuk who's going to get the, the coverage. And once again, San Francisco's going to want to win this game because they're in playoff uh, contention. So I just see him as a sneaky play for someone that's desperate for a wide receiver, where if you're kind of looking through the waiver wire at different players, I think this is the one I would Besides Kirk, which I don't think Kirk is going to be available, I think Bourne is going to be the most available, and I, I think he's going to be the best bet off of the waiver wire. Yeah, and obviously, if you're, you know, if this is dynasty, you know, a lot of these guys are probably on benches, and you know, you're not going to be able to pick him up off of waivers, but you know, you might be able to go send out if you can still trade, which hopefully you can. You might be able to send a fourth or a third or, or something like that, and, and get some of these guys. Um, you know, I. I don't really want to spend more than a third on anything that just for like a one week or two week rental, but you know, and, and with Bourne, you know, like you said, it's kind of, it's kind of just one of those things with Debo out, you know, he, he's going to have more, more shots and playing Dallas and then Arizona, like you said, I mean, that's just, it, it's pretty easy. And it, we've seen Richie James do it. You know, obviously we've seen Ayuk do it. Uh, they're going to be throwing and they're going to be trying to win games. So I definitely don't hate that call. Uh, my next not so obvious one is kind of it's kind of funny. It's like you gotta love 2020. Uh, last week Leonard Fournette gets uh, benched, healthy scratch, and now this week with COVID and a broken pinky, Rojo is is all but going to miss the game. Like I, he would have to have been the close contact and not actually be, have COVID and still you know play through a uh, pin in his pinky and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. So. I, I don't think that Rojo is going to be playing this week. And so Fournette basically goes from a healthy scratch to like the starting running back, unless they just completely turn it over to Keyshawn Vaughn. But with how little he's been on the field and, and, and you know, touched the ball this, this year, and it's obviously not going to be LaShawn McCoy, not to say that McCoy won't be out there, but uh, I do feel like Fournette's going to, you know, get the majority of the carries. 
And that's going to be important. The Bucks have to win too. And, you know, like we've, we've seen what the, like, even though the running game hasn't been amazing or anything like that, we've seen that the starting running back gets you about 15, 20 points, something like that. So if it's a little bit more of a split than what Ronald Jones was getting, maybe Fournette won't get you 20, maybe he gets you 12 or something like that. Um, but I feel like people probably gave up on Fournette and, and rightfully so. But, you know, this might be the week that you go back to the well. Yeah, I'm with you on that, especially because his point production, his output could really be dependent on touchdowns if he goes from 12 to 18 or 12 to 24 or something like that. My next one I actually had was uh, was Hurst. Uh, he's got some decent matchups coming down, down the pipe. Um, T- Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Now, the points scored that I've been uh, quoting is from week 11 on, so it's a more recent production by the teams. I forgot to tell you guys that. So uh, he's been against Tampa. Tampa's allowing 18 points to the um, to the tight end position. And they actually just allowed a really big game against Irv Smith, who's someone you'll hear about, you'll hear, you'll hear about later. But uh, from what I see is that he's not going to be the focal point of the defense. And I could find, I, I could find that there's going to be areas in which he can succeed and maybe sneak in a touchdown because most of the time you're looking for a touchdown. And from these two games, they're most likely going to be in positions where they're going to have to score. And I just see it as an option where just Hurts could be that guy that ends up getting one of those touchdowns. Uh, The next one I have is uh, Nelson Aguilar. And I was definitely not – I'm surprised by this one myself. But, you know, when you look at the numbers – uh, you know, where it was completely hit or miss or, you know, just like fluke touchdowns that he was catching earlier in the year. You look at like the last four weeks and he, he has a target share of uh, 27.6, 16.2, 23.9 and 20 percent. Um, that's not overly amazing, but it's definitely not bad either. I mean, it's pretty good, actually. So he's averaged five receptions per week the last four weeks and in that time frame and uh He's always a big play threat. So, you know, he could always score you the touchdown, get you a 50-yard catch, you know, whatever it is, uh, just the way that they're using him. So, you know, with him, it might, even though he's been getting the five receptions, it might only take one play for him to get you, you know, a, a nice week. And you know, like I said, I, I definitely was not a believer in Aguilar. I don't think there was many people that were. But at this point, there's uh, much worse options. <laughs> Something else, too, is he's their, he's their main red zone threat. So – they are forcibly getting the ball to him in the red zone. And that's really what you want to hear as someone that you're trying to take a risk on or try to, you know, get some sort of explosion game out of is the guy that they want to get the touchdowns to. And coming out of the game or starting the game last week, he was very much a big part of their game plan of who they wanted to get the offense going through. And it was definitely Aguilar this week. Obviously, we know Wall's, Waller's the number one target in this offense. But Aguilar is definitely the number one wide receiver right now in this offense. Yeah, absolutely, which is crazy to say. <laughs> uh, my next one is Irv Smith. Now, I know that he everyone's been waiting for him to break out, and, I, and I'm not just doing this off of last week's game. I think that he's actually a, a tight end that's pretty quickly going to gain dynasty value. He's going to show some, um, some explosion games, and you're not going to be able to acquire him because people that gave up on Hawkinson too early are going to, um, see that what happened with Hawkinson and they're going to hold on to Irv after we actually see a little bit more of his performance. And uh, he has Chicago this week, which is a divisional game, which 
you know, divisional games are always kind of un- unpredictable when it comes to how they're going to play each other. And once again, having Thielen and Jefferson and Cook a part of that offense leaves him um, open for little less in terms of pressure and coverage that he could really break some things open and, and um, once again, score a touchdown. Now, the, that might just be a Week 15 play because against New Orleans, New Orleans is since Week 11 has given up the least amount of points to tight ends. They're actually under four points in PPR allowed to tight ends per week on average. So I don't think this is going to be a multi-week play, but I do think it's a Week 15 play if you're desperate for a tight end. Yeah, and, you know, kind of, you know, obviously we're we're kind of just talking about Week 15 and 16 here, but I feel like with Smith, him being hurt, you know, is kind of a blessing in disguise for for a lot of people because so many people were on him, especially like in the offseason before the year. Um, he was almost getting to the point of being untouchable unless you were just truly going to overpay for him. And now you actually have a buying opportunity where – a, you could buy him and play him now, you know, at least in, in week 15, but also for the future play and, and everything else. Um, I mean, he he really hasn't had that many weeks where he has truly been on the field, you know, a lot. Uh, he has two weeks at 79% snap share. That's it. <laughs> everything else is in the 60s, 50s, 30s, and, and everything else. So, uh, but we, we're seeing him produce even when he's not you know getting that full snap share and everything so if he can start to get that in the future that would definitely be good you know but that's one of those where you're not hurting yourself even if you do send a pick or or something or send another player you're not really hurting yourself for the future but you're still getting something that can help you this week as well yeah i would even just even if you don't play him i might inquire about what it costs to go get him because i i I honestly think that next year he's going to be the value you pay right now or the cost you pay right now is going to be um, a drop in the bucket compared to the rise he's going to have in the following season. What do you think, what would you be willing to pay for him? Cause honestly, like I, I was never really like because of the cost, you know, in the off season, I was never really big into like buying him or anything like that. But like I said, you might get a dip here. So what would you be willing to pay? Well, right now we're shifting away from, Point scoring season, obviously there are teams that are still in it, which is what we're kind of talking about right now. But we're shifting into um, like the, the draft pick season. So the values of draft picks are going to go up. So I would kind of, in my negotiations, I would make that aware that the, when if I'm moving a draft pick for them, I try to move a draft pick and a player, but I try to make the draft pick kind of the key piece where, uh, not overvalued, but I would, I would project out saying this draft pick is worth is going to be worth this or whatnot. And um, I would think it, it could probably be like a third in a player or maybe a late second in a player mid second, but I'd want something back because mid there's a lot of players in this upcoming draft. Um, especially if you're in super flex, there's going to be quarterbacks in the second round. You can take a risk on, which most of the time there isn't going to be that because if someone takes the quarterbacks in the first round of this upcoming draft, you're only getting more value in the second round for positional players. So I would be a little bit weary of giving up a second and I don't really like paying for tight ends, but the thing is you're getting the value dip. You're not, you're not overpaying at a premium. You're getting it at the dip at this point. So I would say late second or a third and a player. Yeah. I mean, definitely if you can get them for a third and a player, obviously it depends on what the player is, but um, yeah, I I feel like you're not going to get them for a third, (laughs) but you know, definitely try. 
Um, my next one was actually another tight end and it, kind of the same situation where uh, it's Cole Komet. You know, he, he's, he's super young, obviously seems super talented at this point, but he's actually starting to hit the field. And, you know, whereas with Irv, it's kind of been health issues and everything with Komet. It was just that he was a rookie. He was a 21 year old rookie. And now he's, he's starting to get, uh, he had in the last four weeks, Komet has an 80% snap share, uh, a 21.2% target share in the last two weeks each. And I mean, like I said, 21 year old tight end rookie year, and you're getting that kind of like those kind of numbers on, you know, the bears <laughs> of all things. And, uh, and so I, I just feel like people, and really myself included until I, I really looked at the numbers, you know, wouldn't want to trust Komet, especially in the playoffs, but there's a lot of tight ends. I would start Komet over right now. <laughs> a lot of tight ends. Yeah. And we talked about Komet a little bit on the, the recap, but one thing I wanted to bring up that I didn't is he has great hands. It's actually his best asset because when I talked about how he was able to kind of box out his defender in college, but he was always catching the ball with two hands and it was always, the ball wasn't moving. And now the fact that we see that he actually has better movement skills than what we were expecting, or a lot of us were expecting him coming in, his game opens up a lot more. And we've seen the offense be a little bit better with Trubisky, which it may in turn make him such an under-the-radar, once again, player in the defense's game plan that he's going to be able to do what he did in college where he's able to shade his defender one way and then just use his large frame and his, his good hands to bring the balls in and then depending where they're on the field, it could be a touchdown or it could be a drive extender, which then leads to more points. Yeah. And that was the big thing was, you know, Jimmy Graham scored the touchdown in, in the red zone last week. Um, and so, you know, people, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you, you really have to look at the numbers and realize that, yeah, Jimmy Graham caught that touchdown, but Hey, that could have easily been commit uh, with how much he's been playing, how much he's been on the field. Um, and B, you know, he's, he, He's getting a nice target share, even if he's not scoring touchdowns. He has the floor that you need to where you feel a little bit of safety. And, you know, for a not-so-obvious start, like, that's actually pretty nice, you know? Absolutely. Who's your next one? Uh, my next one was Hines. Uh, I know that most likely if you don't have him, you can't get him at this point unless the, per the team is out of the playoffs. But I, I, I want to stress this. Yes, JT had a great game, and yes, JT can have great games going forward, but so can Hines, and so can Hines at such a cheaper price. And we've already seen that they have no um, qualms about using Hines in the red zone or at the goal line. And he goes up against Houston, who's giving up 31 points to, uh, to running backs on the season, but they're also last or I shouldn't say on the season since week 11, but they're also last in passing yards allowed to the running backs as well, which is Heinz game. So depending on once again, where they're on the field, it could be a really nice catch and run that turns into a touchdown, or it even could be a Jonathan Taylor run that gets them into the red zone. And Heinz is able to able to attack in his own, in his own game. Then they play Pittsburgh in, in week um, 16. So, this is not, once again, this could be just one week thing because Pittsburgh does not allow anything really to wide receiver or to running backs in the passing game. And they allow the fourth least amount of points since week 11 with 16 per game to the running back. Yeah. One of my big things about Jonathan Taylor, and I know you're talking about Hines, but one of the big things about uh, Taylor 
is how easy the Colts schedule has been the last, what, six, seven weeks, something like that. Um, and it's kind of played into Hines as well, where, you know, you see he had 28.5, 8.3, 17.5, 12.2, and 11.5 points in what the last five weeks. Um, and that's PPR points, of course. But, he, you know, he's had six, four, ten, three, and four targets in those games. And, you know, like he's he's going to get used. And he just played Houston two weeks ago. You know, like he scored 12.2 points against them. You know, maybe he doesn't have any kind of like uber ceiling. He's only seeing like thirty percent snap share, but uh, but I feel I feel like he has a decent floor at the very least. You know, like you said, maybe maybe you're not going to want to start him in week sixteen, but um, you know, even then, we we've seen against some like not uh, not not too great or, or actually some like really good defenses in, in the past that he still scored some points. He still has that floor. It might not be amazing. Um, but once again, you know, sometimes all you need is seven points or 10 points, <laughs> whatever it is. So I definitely don't hate that one. But yeah, I, I don't we, we also see a Houston team give up last week against Chicago. And yeah. we don't even are we even sure if Cooks is playing this week? We're not sure if Cooks is playing. And I, I haven't heard anything else, but I know Deshaun was uh, dealing with that arm injury, mm-hmm. um, elbow injury. And so, you know, I'm assuming because I haven't heard anything that he's OK. But you know, like that, I've seen in the past with uh, with some quarterbacks that I love that that elbow ulnar uh, nerve and everything can can really screw some uh, some stuff up because you so, can't feel your hand, you can't throw the ball. <laughs> with that being said, though, that could open up even more opportunity for the the secondary backs because they have the game in hand. They're not trying to run Jonathan Taylor on the ground before the the playoffs, which could bring you know Wilkins into the game, but. Just there, I see that this is a very positive opportunity for Hines to get some run and get some points for you. Yep. No, I agree. Um, and then I think you had one more uh, for the not so obvious starts before we get into the desperation plays. Yeah, my last one was Sterling Shepard. Now I know that potentially Daniel Jones is out, and we got some bad news today. So. This is my least um, confident one, but just just knowing that Shepard is a good receiver, he goes against Cleveland and, and Baltimore, who, as we've seen, haven't been like the most premier defensive teams um, the last couple of weeks. I, and I think Cleveland's actually been assisted by the weather games when they played in Cleveland, and they were just really, really windy. And... I don't know the status of all their cornerbacks, but I know that they were having some issues with their starters. So I just I see it as if if uh, if the Giants are still trying to go for a playoff spot, they're most likely going to rely on weapons that they know will get them down the field. And Shepard is a very consistent target and a consistent wide receiver, and of actually an asset to pretty much any football team. And I could see that he could have a decent game against Cleveland. And then depending how Baltimore's cornerback situation is, do they get picked on again like they did against Hollywood Higgins, who's a route runner just like Shepard. Shepard's a more intelligent one and has a little bit more polish to his game. But, you know, that leaves a lot of, a lot of opportunities open where actually Baltimore is the 30th since week 11, the, the, the third to worst team in terms of points allowed to opposing wide receivers with 44.4 as an average. And Cleveland's at 32, so they're they're a little bit more improved. But that doesn't mean, once again, that those other weeks weren't a little bit skewed due to wind. 
No, definitely. And it's kind of crazy to think that Baltimore, Baltimore's defense is giving that kind of stuff up. But uh, as amazing as they were, it seems like they've kind of fallen off. I mean, especially after last week or this past week, we saw what uh, what the Browns did to them, and they just absolutely destroyed them. You know, that defense, obviously. <laughs> they didn't win the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, if I, I might have thrown this one in the, in the desperation plays. If Daniel Jones is out, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, if Daniel Jones is playing, uh, not that he's anything amazing, but I feel like he is better than Colt McCoy, <laughs> as crazy as that might sound. But, um, but yeah, I, she- I mean, Shepard has a 23.9% target share since returning from injury. Um, that's with McCoy throwing him the ball, that's with Daniel Jones. It, like, it doesn't seem to matter. He's He's a good player. His thing's always been injury. As long as he's healthy, he's playing. Uh, he's playing. He's playing well. And I, I like I said, I, I would probably throw that one of the desperation plays, but I don't hate it. And there's, uh, there's definitely worse players that you that you might throw out there. <laughs> uh, so now, like I said, we are going to get to the desperation plays. These are going to be ugly. Please don't like slide into my DM saying like, why did you tell me to start this guy? He's freaking garbage or anything like that. Because I'm, I'm just saying like, this is when you just have nothing left. No one will trade you or your trade deadline's done. There's nothing on the waivers and you have five guys on COVID IR and everything else. Uh, the first one I have is Kalen Blage. And like, obviously since Eckler came back, Blage's touches have come, come down. Like that's an obvious thing that we knew was going to happen. But Eckler got a quad injury in uh, you know last week, like during the game, and he's actually been limited in practice. Now I expect him to play, and they're expecting him to play, but they could limit his touches a little bit. They obviously have nothing to play for, and you know, like it, what's the point of possibly re-injuring or, or you know hurting Eckler more? But even with Eckler being back and everything, Balazs has still had like a 30% snap share. He's getting about, what, seven touches a game, something like that. So, I mean, there's just, once once again, completely desperation, but you could see a little bit more than that 30%. And, you know, we know that they're scoring points. You know, like it, the not necessarily Balazs, but he, he did look pretty good, you know, earlier in the season before Eckler came back. So I, I just feel like, it might be somebody that I would just throw in there and, and just pray. <laughs> Maybe he can fall into the end zone or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely looked like he had all the tools, too, when he was actually getting the role, which is very interesting because yeah. when he came in from school, you kind of thought he was going to have a little bit more receiving back to his game or at least the hands, um, and it didn't ever yep. seem to you know carry, carry through into a game. And then he had like those two weeks, and – you take the name off the back of the jersey and you're like, this guy can play. Now, he may have a very stinky name because of what he's been doing the last couple of years and his lack of awareness and poor yard per, per play, but who knows? As well as we've seen the, the, the week that we had with Eckler and this Charger offense is completely different. So it may end up being that they're like, you know what? Since we're not, we don't have anything to play for. Let's kind of, let's, let's try some new things out because I don't know if targeting Eckler that much and shortening up the passing game and making it so obvious what's going to happen is good for this offense because it dropped Herbert's yards per, per attempt super low. And, you know, Keenan Allen's had a drop in targets, which we expected. 
but it didn't improve the quality of targets because they're not moving the ball down the field and getting in the red zone as much. So this might be a very good opportunity for them to try some other things and incorporate some other backs. One, because I don't think Eckler should have came back. I thought he, he should have had more time off because there was a lot of things. He obviously played fine. I know I'm not saying anything against his play, but that could have easily been some sort of aggravation or he could have been not making up for the, the injury and or having to kind of favor one side could have caused some sort of aggravation as well that we don't even know about. And limiting his touches may be something that's beneficial both for this year and the game plan going forward. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, and I mean, even the last two weeks with Eckler back and everything and only seeing a 30% snap share, uh, Balazs still had four targets against New England and two targets last week. So that's not like amazing by any means, but that, but the other thing is they're going up against the Raiders this week. You know, like the, the Raiders defense is just straight garbage. And whereas, you know, even though Atlanta's defense is straight garbage, their run defense isn't that bad, or at least teams don't really run against them and for the most part. So, uh, and obviously like New England is New England. They, when, when they feel like showing up, they do. And they showed up in that game. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like it was Balazs. And Balazs actually scored 6.9 points in that game uh, against New England. And they didn't score a single point. You know, so just imagine what they can do against the Raiders. Uh, like I said, you, desperation, desperation, desperation. But you could do worse. And they play Denver next week. Um, same thing, desperation. But, you know, if, if he has a 10-point outing today or, or this week, I mean, then, you know, he, he might actually be able to do the same thing next week too. I, th- I think you're done with your list, right? Or did you have a couple more? I had a couple more. I actually had one I was I, I had thought about, and I actually forgot to put them in. So I actually have two two remaining. Um, one of them is actually going to be Lynn Bowden. Now I know he's only had one game that he played. He's played well in, and he's had, he's accumulated yards and scored points. But from what I see, he's a fit in this offense. The, I think this is something that you're going to see as a complement to Tua going forward where they have the ability to just kind of contribute positively to each other's games just based on Tua's preference of how he wants to pass and a lot of the ways in which Bowden wants to operate, or at least how they want Bowden to operate in this offense. He had 15 points. It was like 82 yards on seven catches. And I know he had two attempts rushing. I think it was two attempts rushing and one attempt passing. So he's multifaceted. And it was against KC. Now, going forward, he's... he's um. Is it, yeah, against the Patriots and then against uh, the Raiders. So well, I don't know what the game plan is going to be this week um, against Bill Belichick. So like I said, it's 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 ugly, but it's potentially something that they can build off of where he's getting a bunch of targets and he's actually doing something with them. And because he's multifaceted, he's getting maybe some rush attempts. And it just opens up different um, schemes and different play sets that he can be involved in and just be a threat to score. Yeah, actually, I, I like that a lot. In fact, I would even I wouldn't even put that in the desperation one. I, I might even throw that in the not so obvious ones because uh, he's basically playing the slot receiver for him right now. And you know, he had four targets in uh, week thirteen, and he had nine targets this week. And I mean, I I definitely I know New England's a different defense than Kansas City and obviously Cincinnati. But if he's the slot receiver, if you know he's going to be targeted, he's going to get he's going to get looks. And, you know, once again, we're not necessarily talking about 
he got 15.4 points this week. We're not even necessarily talking about needing 15.4. We might need seven. We might need eight, something like that. And if he's getting nine targets or anything around there, you can almost guarantee that, you know, especially at least in PPR. So, yeah, I, I, actually, I really like that. I expect him to be involved early. Uh, maybe it doesn't work out and they, sh- they move away from it. But I think he's going to have one or two plays drawn up in, in the first one or two drives at least that have him doing two different things. Maybe a, maybe a rushing attempt from, from an in motion um, or it could be, you know, a wide receiver screen or it could be something where he's just coming over the middle to kind of test out what Belichick's going to do on defense. May not even get the target. I don't know, but I feel like there's going to be some plays already drawn up for him that are going to utilize his skill set. Yeah. And the other thing is we're not used to saying this, but, uh, or it's usually like the opposite direction or the other way around. Uh, but, you know, Miami is actually playing for the playoffs and, you know, but they're playing, it's a divisional game against the Patriots. Normally we'd be saying, okay, well, the Patriots just have to get past Miami, but it's the complete opposite uh, side of the ball right now. So they have to win this game. Like they need to win this game. I don't know if they have to, but they need to win this game. And, um, and so they're, they're going to be throwing, they're going to be, you know, trying to push the ball down the field. As far as I know, Gaskin isn't going to be back. Um, but I don't even know if, like, if Gaskin is back, I don't think it's going to affect him because obviously he wasn't even a part of the running game. I th- like I said, I think he's just kind of playing slot receiver. But you know, we've seen Gaskin be involved in the passing game as well. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be back. It doesn't seem like it. Like he's going to make it off the COVID list in time. So yeah, I like that. And I mean, even if you didn't truly feel comfortable playing him this week, if you can go out and acquire Bowden. And then see what he does this week against the Patriots. And then if he continues those nine targets or whatever, now you have week 16 in in the uh, Super Bowl with uh, Las Vegas against the Raiders defense. So I, I definitely like that call. And, you know, you can kind of decide if you feel ballsy enough to play him or not. But, you know, you kind of have some options there. I wanted to bring up his teammate, Grant. Um, not as a player that I had on my list, but the Patriots have given up some big plays. And the more that that Tua plays and the more that they have plays close to the line of scrimmage, there may be an opportunity for a big play for one of the receivers. Now, there was an opportunity last week. And as much as people want to blame Grant, Tua underthrew that ball. The, the one that was intercepted, he underthrew that ball. Grant had his guy beat. He throws it three or four yards in front of him. Grant runs right under it, doesn't break stride, and that's a touchdown. So I'm not saying I'm way less confident in Grant. But once again, if you need just a dart throw, I don't hate Grant playing as a play this week. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather play Bowden, but Mm -hmm. I I get it. (laughs) Another desperation play is, um, and this one feels really ugly even saying, but, you know, it's desperation. Uh, It's Benny Snell. And we saw Snell get 16 carries a few weeks ago. And then, you know, he's basically been like non-existent since then. But James Conner has a quad injury and, uh, you know, he's been limited in practice. We don't know how many touches they're going to, he's going to get. The Steelers kind of have to win a game at this point. Like (laughs) their whole offense, their whole team is kind of in disarray. Like they don't, they don't have to win. Like they're fine. But I just feel like for themselves, like for the team, for, for Mike Tomlin, like they have to get back to winning because if they go into the playoffs losing, you know, four straight or, you know, five straight or whatever it is, like (laughs) they're not going to go very far in the playoffs. Um, But we've kind of seen James Conner kind of get like 
I don't know, kind of just out phased out of the offense. And, you know, they've just been doing the little dinks and dunks with, with big Ben and it's not working, you know, like they're throwing it 50 times a game, trying to use that as their running game. And it's not really working. And, you know, even though Benny Snell hasn't been anything amazing or anything, I feel like he's had like pop when he's, when he's run, like when he's gotten the touches, he, he he's kind of doing the Gus Edwards thing where he's just running hard. And, uh, and so, like I said, this is a completely desperate situation, but they're playing against the Bengals this week. And, you know, like I just think with that kind of with that kind of matchup and with Connor hurt, Snell might get more looks and you know it could turn into something. Yeah, it's uh I think playing against Cincinnati really helps because their line, their line's beat up. But this could be a, an opportunity for a get right game as well as a turn the game, get through it as quickly as possible because they're on the road and we know how Ben plays differently from at home and on the road, as well as, um, like I said, get in, get out, stay as healthy as possible. My only question is if they do slow it down, how many opportunities they have to score a touchdown. But yeah, like we said, it's, it's in this category. So it's definitely worth, worth considering at this point. If we're, if you're getting a starting running back in uh, week 15, and that's probably my least favorite, even though we're calling it desperation. Like, I still don't even like saying it. Like, I I really don't want anyone to start Benny Snell. But, I, <laughs> like, if you absolutely have to, I guess I would feel, like, somewhat not so gross. Like, I'd probably throw up before I actually click, you know, like, send or, you know, submit lineup or whatever. But, you know, maybe there'd be worse plays. <laughs> But then I actually had uh, I had two more that I actually feel okay, even though they're still technically desperation plays. That was the last running back. Like I said, after that, it gets so ugly. You do not want to play those guys. <laughs> but um, I had no. You said you had one more, right? I have one that's kind of it's kind of more of a redraft one, um, just because you're not gonna be able to acquire them for something that's just worth the run, and that's Rager, because. He's had a couple good games the last couple weeks. He actually should have had a much bigger one this last week against the Saints. So I don't think you can go get him for for a cheap price or anything like that, but he may be available in redraft. And if he catches that really poor, poorly thrown ball from Hertz that he was kind of crossing, um, he ran like a post across the field and had that one connected, he might have had a chance to break it, which would have put him uh, probably around 20 points or so, 18 points, something like that. So he would have been looked at much differently after the game. And I just think there's an opportunity for, for something to happen against Arizona because, once again, the underneath stuff, he's you know somewhere that can attack there. Not saying they will use him there, but he could be used there. As well as then um, they play against Dallas. And once again, divisional game. Dallas hasn't been that great. They have allowed 33 points over the, uh, since week 11 to the wide receiver position. So I just see it as an opportunity where if, you know, if you're desperate, if there's injuries, if you're so-and-so about one guy versus another, I like the potential upside of Rager. No, I like it. And, you know, kind of like bringing in the dynasty aspect, I think you can get him cheap right now. You know, I, I feel like, Obviously, you're going to have guys like Spaceman that like would never sell them for anything cheaper than they they paid for them or anything like that. But I feel like a lot of people maybe you know weren't as in love with them as a prospect or anything, but just kind of came upon him in the in the rookie drafts and was like, okay, he has a, a shot to be the new number one. 
and it hasn't worked out. Like nothing's worked out for that offense. But I don't think anybody can actually blame Rager for anything that's happened, you know, on this team or on this offense. And, you know, like I don't think anything's really changed for him. It's almost like he lost his rookie season between the injury, COVID, and everything else. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I wasn't ever, like, huge into Rager, you know, in the offseason everything. I didn't really like his prices, or at least I liked other players better around the same price. But I feel like you can actually, you know, there might be at least some people that you can get him pretty cheap from right now. And I mean, if you can send a second and go get and go get Rager. Now, I know you're a big fan of, of holding your seconds right now and, and seeing who's available. So I'm not saying you have to do it today or tomorrow or anything like that. I'd but. most likely trade a, trade a second for Rager, depending on where it's at. But yeah. I look at it in Superflex as the opportunity to get another quarterback. So I that's the reason why I want to hold this year. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, if you have a late second or mid second or something like that, you're probably not getting a quarterback with that. And, you know, like there's definitely going to be worse options than Rager uh, at that mid second price. So mm-hmm. just it's definitely an opportunity. Right. And yeah, that whole team is kind of up in the air right now, but they're going to get things, uh, the, their line's going to get healthier. Their, things are going to get better. Things are going to get figured out. And you're going to want the, the, fast stud rookie uh, wide receiver you know on that team when it's all said and done so yeah i would definitely go throw a late second mid second something like that at rager and see if you can get them but um another one that i was looking at for really more for this year i guess you could technically call it a dynasty thing but you know i don't know how much you would it's antonio brown and you know once again it's a desperation play but you know i feel like people thought he was going to come back and just like kind of take over or, you know, like become a star. And he really hasn't, but like he had a 22.7% target share last week. It's not like he didn't do anything. Obviously we know Brady's basically washed at this point, but, um, but they're still putting up points and and everything, Uh, but they get a cake matchup with the Falcons and the Falcons have made anyone and everyone look amazing um, except for the, Raiders, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but you know, we all know about Derek Carr, uh, but I, <laughs> I don't love the idea of playing Antonio Brown this week, but you know, when you know that like, it wasn't like last week was the only week he had a 22% target share. He had some good weeks before he had 13 targets, I think his second week back. Um, and, you know, I think that was without Godwin, but still it, there, there's definitely worse options out there than the Bucks who have to win once again. Like they have to win, and you know the Falcons would love to take them down, you know. And and that's narrative street and everything, but you, you just know that they would love to take them down. And so I just feel like you you could ha- definitely do worse than throwing Antonio Brown in your lineup. And you know maybe you get six targets or whatever, but maybe he just happens to turn one of those into a touchdown, or you know maybe it's the week that he finally you know figures it out, gets back into like playing shape and everything, and and puts up you know twenty two points or something like that. And their passing defense hasn't been great, so knowing that it's potentially against Julio Ridley Hurst, who is one of the guys I I, I highlighted today. There could be an opportunity where this game gets into the twenty, you know, twenties or thirties in points for each team, not just for one. And you got a little bit of a shootout on your hands. Who knows who gets the touchdowns in the shootouts? 
the only thing I'm worried about is that, uh, the coach came out today saying that uh, Julio was week to week. And so I'm pretty sure Julio's not playing, you know, because whenever they say week to week, you know, like that's pretty much a guarantee that they're not playing. Um, we'll see about him next week. Oh, wait, we'll see him next season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next year. <laughs> so that's not looking great, but I just feel like it's one of those things where, you know, whereas in the past it's been like, okay, if Julio's not playing, don't play Matt Ryan, don't play Calvin Ridley, that kind of thing. When it comes to divisional games, it almost doesn't matter. Like the teams play so differently because they know the teams, they know how they play. And um, so, yeah, and, and it's even different, you know, with the with the Falcons because you literally have coaches from the Bucks in previous years coming and playing against you and everything. So, yeah, I just I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. It might not be the huge blowout games or anything, but I just feel like the Bucks have to win, and you know they're going to do what it takes and they're going to throw it. And you have a, a not one hundred percent Evans. You have a Godwin that's only had like a fifteen percent target share last week. I just like I said. Desperation play, but you could do worse. And then the last one that I had, which is kind of a buy for desperation buy for this year, but also more for you know future and dynasty purposes. And we've talked about him quite a bit, so we don't have to like go into like crazy depths or anything. But is Darnell Mooney, and you know it's uh it's kind of crazy that I had two players from the Bears <laughs> that I brought up on this. <laughs> like, I, who would have thunk it, right? But um. Mooney had a 20.5% and 18.2% target share in weeks 12 and 13. But then last week it dropped to 6.1%. Um, people aren't going to be overly excited about him. People aren't going to, you know, so if you're having to buy them or, you know, pick them up off waivers or whatever it is, like you could probably get them. But, you know, like last week he scored a touchdown. And, you know, so like the box score looks okay, but you know, if we can get back to that 20% target share, you know, whatever it is, then I feel like, you know, I feel like he could be that desperation play that you need. But like I said, I'm also doing it for the future. Allen Robinson is probably not going to be back with the bears at this point. Like I, I kind of feel like that bridge has been burnt at this point. <laughs> he's just so sick of them and just wants to be done. He, he got a little bit of money, you know, he, I'm sure he's okay with it, but uh, he just wants to move on to a team and actually like win a super bowl, win something, you know, have a decent, quarterback good just head north just go north like 200 miles <laughs> yeah you know like that would actually i mean that would be great for just about everybody <laughs> really but um but yeah we've talked about in the past but just go by mooney uh he's been one of the like kind of like the biggest like eye-opening players this season for me as long as at least as far as like the back end of the roster you know like fourth round pick kind of guys like that kind of thing. Uh, not obviously there's been players that I've fallen in love with, but uh, Mooney's just been one of those guys, like on a bad team or at least a bad offensive team, he has been looking pretty damn good, you know? And so he could help you out in the playoffs as a desperation play, not saying he's amazing or the next couple of weeks, but he could help you out. And then, but he could also be a future and he could be the number one wide receiver next year on the bears, you know? Yeah, and the thing Mooney does as well is he reinforces don't look at situation too much. Like, don't overgrade situation. Because that's what I did with Mooney. I'm not saying I had Mooney any bit high, but I kind of wrote him off because I'm like, oh, he's going to be a bear. Like, what's the upside? Yep. Well, the upside is that Mooney's good. And I'm pretty sure Mooney is good. So I'm with you. I, I think that this could be both for this this upcoming two weeks uh, of gameplay as well as going into the future. The problem is if you have 
if Mooney's on a Bears fans team, good luck. Yeah, that's never going to happen. You know, obviously it's going to take somebody that just happened to pick him up one week when after he scored a touchdown or whatever it was. And, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't care. He hasn't done anything, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to get him. But um, I don't know. I guess to, to kind of bring it back to, to make it a dynasty show, we've had a couple dynasty topics here and everything. <laughs> but like, um, but what would you want to pay for, for Mooney right now? Because – you know, once again, we're, we're doing this more for the future, uh, but we don't want to overpay. We don't want to like ruin our team because of Mooney. Cause there's nothing's guaranteed. A Rob could sign back and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I kind of have my thoughts on it, but what would you want to pay? I'm still concerned about what the quarterback situation is going to be there. Cause I'm not super hyped if Mitch comes back. So that's where my, um, my uh, being prudent in my decision is going to come from. So I would say late second, mid second. Um, obviously, you'd be more comfortable with a later, like a, a later pick, like a third. But it'd be something to open up the conversation with and see what what, uh, what kind of yields from it. Because once again, we don't really know how the late second wide receivers are going to perform, and we've seen Mooney against NFL competition. So. That's something to really consider as to how you want your thought processes to be moving forward. Because there's a lot of shiny guys that will be there, but they could be buried on depth charts. They may not have the the fantasy production or even value until two or three years down the line where Mooney could literally be the one next year and could be a guy that puts up 14 or plus points a week. And that's pretty cheap for a mid to late second rounder. Yeah. I, I do think it's going to take a second at this point. Um, I don't think anyone's going to give him up for a third, or if you can get him for a third, that's amazing. But um, I do kind of think it will take a second. And honestly, I think I'd be willing to pay it. Uh, you know, not an early second. Um, I, I think I'd, I'd need something plus. You know, I, I need Mooney plus if I'm throwing a, an, an early second. But, you know, he's one of those players that you probably don't have to do that. So. I definitely I like that. I think a late second is good, but hopefully this helps you guys with some uh, not so obvious and desperation plays. We can get through the next couple of weeks, win some championships, and then we'll go into like you know the best part of the season for dynasty purposes, and it's the off season. You know, like the the non point scoring season, as Dynasty Outhouse likes to call it. Um, pretty excited about all that. Kind of excited to not have to set lineups and stuff after you know the next couple of weeks because. Like I said, I'm getting a little burnt out. I love it. I'm gonna win some some good money and and some you know like uh, some trophies and whatever else. But I'm, I'm kind of ready for it to be done. <laughs> I hear you. And there's a I don't know. I I feel like I'm almost done over redraft to be honest with you. I just feel like the lack of future assets to be a, to be able to acquire from you know building a, a good redraft team just not there. So I, and it's very interesting how much more I like Dynasty compared to Redraft. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why I do my Redraft leagues that I'm in is just because it's, you know, like I have I have a few that I've done for 20 years, you know, and I'm just like, it's kind of tough to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm just done. You know, I'm, I'm just going to quit the league after 20 years, that kind of thing. So, I, you know, I keep doing them. I, I, I win them pretty often, but you know, it's, it's redraft. Like anything can happen. You know, <laughs> literally like, it's not like, Oh yeah, let me go trade for this guy or do whatever. It's, it's, it's redraft. So I get what you're saying. Uh, 
but yeah, I'm definitely not adding any more redraft leagues. I can tell you. That. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I appreciate you nubs. Uh, go win some championships guys. I good luck with everything. Um, I hope, I hope we have some good football. Don't forget that we have, um, we have Thursday, Saturday and Sunday football and Monday football this week. So we have a lot of football. Don't forget to set your lineups, get players out of your flexes that are playing on Thursday and do all that kind of stuff. Um, make the right choices, stay active, do all that kind of stuff. But we will see you next week. And then we will get into the off season after that. Heck yeah. Until then, we're cashing out. Mm-hmm.